Welcome to the Holistic Icon Podcast, hosted by Dr. Nisha Chellam, a board-certified internist and holistic medicine specialist who understands the science of disease and the art of healing. Every week, Dr. Nisha gives you tips on how to take control of your health, because you are your best doctor. Here's your host and author of Transform Your Thyroid, Dr. Nisha Chellam. Hello everyone, Dr. Shalom, and of course Marina is here now. She's all back from Iceland. I'm back. And how was it? <laughs> oh, it was great. And it was always bright, and there's lots of mountains to climb, and... How many hours of daylight did you have? It's 24 hours. It doesn't even come close to setting. That's awesome. Yeah. But 2 a.m., there's no difference between 2 a.m., 2 p.m. Did you get to sleep? A couple hours. <laughs> um, they don't really have blackout curtains like I expected, so it was a little tough. Mm-hmm. We made even their blinds would not come out. No, it was like taking a nap. Wow! But when you yeah. have twenty four hours of sunlight, you don't need to sleep. That's true. That's true. <laughs> well, welcome to our fourth podcast. And um, today, I, I actually had put out into the community as to what do you guys want to hear about. One of the common, um, one of our uh, very um, Frequent listeners requested that we talk about menopause, and I think a good amount of our listeners are women who are in that phase in in their early 50s, mid 50s. So I thought it was a very good topic to talk about. And we're going to obviously go into: Is menopause always a painful condition? Is or is this something that's natural? Why do some people experience so many symptoms, and why others just find it a breeze? So um, before I get into that, remember Holistic and Integrative Center of Nova is the best place for you to find your best doctor, and that is always you. And why do we say that? Because the best patient for us is an empowered patient, a well-educated patient. And that's what we try to really achieve through these podcasts is to give you enough knowledge that you are able to take the steps to get yourself better and and when you think of, you know, who do I go to for advice, I'm hoping Holistic and Integrative Center of Novi will be high on your mind because that's what we like to do is empower people and make them equal partners in their health journey. So let's get into what menopause really means. So physiologically, if you look at what menopause is, it's exactly that. It's a stopping, pausing of the menstrual cycle. It's defined as the last time you ever had your last period. And a lot of times women will know that they had their last period or they may forget. They'll say, you know, it's been months. I don't know when I last had a period. There are two categories of women. Other women have a lot of uh, what we call, now we term it perimenopausal which is where they have these irregular periods. Um, they go heavy bleeding, long bleeding. Then there's months together they don't have periods when they're really thankful that they don't have the periods. Then they have mood swings, mood changes. Um, we call it vasomotor reactions. So it's like they feel hot and cold. And you've heard of the night sweats. A lot of people talk to us about the sweats. Yeah. yeah. Now, when you define a sweat, a menopausal sweat, it'll almost be like um, they're sitting there, they're talking to somebody, and you can actually see them drenched in sweat almost instantaneously. 
at other times it's in the middle of the night where they have to turn, um, get up, change their clothes, change their covers. It's kind of a very, um, can be initially very annoying after some time, it's just disrupt, it disrupts your life. So why do people experience this? We're going to get into that. And should you be even experiencing this? Is this a normal menopause or are there different degrees of menopausal symptoms that we should be um, familiar with? So the way I look at it, I, I would say there are two big groups of women. One group is they struggle all through the menopausal period, if you want to call it as a, when, you, when I said menopause is the day you stop your last menstrual period, that should be just one day or one month. But we make it like months together or even sometimes a couple of years. People have hot flashes for years together. And we're going to discuss how abnormal is it? Does it really need intervention? What should you be doing? What can you do? Is there something natural you can do? Or is there something that you should be doing um, very early in your life? So let's uh, begin by uh, understanding the menstrual cycle. So the purpose of the menstrual cycle, it's in, in nature is actually very uh, fascinating. Women have um, the regular menstrual cycle between what they call the reproductive years. So uh, basically to ripen the egg, and if it gets fertilized, then of course you have the offspring, and then the uterine wall sheds, and again, the cycle repeats, and it repeats so many times in her lifetime, as long as she's producing eggs. Now, as you get older, some people, first of all, when you look at menarche, which is the time you get the very first period, so you, it may happen at the age of 11. Frighteningly, it's happening at the age of 7 these days. Right, and there's a reason why that's happening too. <laughs> I'm sure we'll address that eventually. Yes. At some point, we will talk about what, but actually, when you think back, women who have um, those menopausal symptoms, now that we've made it like a period of time instead of just one particular event, stopping up the menstrual cycle, one of the things that we notice is if you start having trouble with your periods very early in life, like your menstrual cycles are irregular as a young adolescent, lots of pain, um, lots of bleeding, particularly if you have had endometriosis mm -hmm. or infertility issues, that's the time you're going to have to start taking notice because eventually when it comes to the menopausal symptoms, it's an imbalance between the estrogen and progesterone. So most people understand what estrogen is. It's a female hormone, so is the progesterone. They come in different uh, times of the female cycle. You have the estrogen maturing the follicle, the progesterone, eventually the follicle gets formed. And uh, then there's a withdrawal of estrogen, and then you have your periods. However, what happens in menopause, a few things can happen. You may still be producing the estrogen and progesterone, if not from the ovaries, it is picked up by the adrenals. And when you have enough of the estrogen progesterone, your body, for some reason, when you get into the menopausal state, stops recognizing the estrogen. So you, even though you have estrogen, you have symptoms of a low estrogen uh, state. 
and a low estrogen state, I can uh, go over a few things that we... Um, um, and that would be where your blood work looks normal, but your body's not responding to the estrogen. That is you have symptoms. Yeah, you have symptoms of low estrogen. So if I actually measure the levels, they look fine. Yep. But there's another hormone that we actually check to see if the body's resistant to the estrogen. It's called the follicular stimulating hormone, FSH. That gets really high. Normally, it would be lower because it's stimulating. Now, the estrogen has come up and it should be fine. But if it still continues to be high, then... FSH is resisting. It's like not listening to the estrogen that's present. Mm -hmm. So these are the women who will struggle with low libido, starting very in the perimenopausal or menopausal years. They also would have the dryness. They would have the irregular uterine bleeding on and off. Sometimes they can bleed for days together. But I think a long-term impact of low estrogen, which is what they've tried to look for, is memory problems. Alzheimer's. It can be, yeah, it can be associated with that. So it's extremely important to understand if you have a low estrogen, if your body's resisting the estrogen, then there are other reasons why that happens uh, is because of pesticides. Mm -hmm. Our exposure to pesticides, we're like almost 80,000 new chemicals. Every year. Every year, yeah. I mean, every year. Yeah. And you'll find that the, it has increased in the last two decades. It's almost like you would say, why does our body need to detox? Why do we need to do anything? Doesn't the body know how to take care of itself? It does, but these are new things. The body has to develop new uh, mechanisms to actually take care of these unique chemicals. Sometimes they disrupt our hormonal cycle. And women tend to suffer more if you see autoimmunity is greater in women um, the aging process is much faster in women because we get, and losing weight is more difficult in women. And I, we have men and women doing the same program in our practice. And you'll find the men shed weight like crazy because that testosterone somehow helps them. And our um, estrogen and progesterone really is very disruptive. Oh, we have the babies, and we suffer for that. <laughs> I know. But you know that also okay, makes us strong. <laughs> right. But we're also stronger. So it's very important to understand <laughs> how your body can get disrupted. So let's look at the things that actually disrupt the estrogen or make it low. Pesticides. We have, um, if you've suffered from infertility, if you struggle to get your first baby, you probably need to be a little more careful. Prepare for menopause very early, like you need to get, and I'll tell you what are the things you can do to make sure that you don't have such a big hormonal imbalance at the time of menopause. The other one is, of course, our most favorite, which we all get affected by. And the only time you don't get affected is when you're six foot under. Do you know what that is? No. Stress. Stress. Stress, 24-7 <laughs> stress, right? Even some people have, people tell me, oh, maybe we won't be stressed when you're sleeping. People cannot sleep because they have stress. When there's a chronic elevation of cortisol. This is a disruption of the female hormones. So that's another one to keep in mind. And then, of course, our nutrition deficiencies, the nutrient deficiencies. We know that a lot of the enzymes and hormones require cofactors or co-pilots. So for every plane to fly, you have a pilot and a co-pilot. Now, the co-pilot is as important. They are, they, uh, they um, kind of make sure the reaction takes place in the right intensity, in the right direction to produce the right thing. So deficiency of zinc is very common. 
And then you have vitamin D deficiency, which a lot of us, we think it's because of lack of sunlight. But we have people who come from Florida, from Texas, who have low vitamin D. A lot of it has got to do with your gut health. That, again, is a completely new, a different podcast. But the gut becomes very important. So, you know, round and round, I'm going to come back to what you're eating, right, eventually. So, um, besides that being an issue, we also have, um, there was something else I wanted to bring. I know it slips my mind, but... Um, things that we do like cigarette smoking or exposure to cigarette smoke can also create a low estrogen state. But besides the low estrogen state, we can also have a high estrogen state. And a high estrogen state is, I mean, technically speaking, during menopause, we shouldn't have a high estrogen state. And that's when you have all these symptoms and, you you know, the symptoms are the, um, the basically the weight gain as you get older headaches and anxiety. When people come in with a lot of anxiety, they get put on antidepressant, anti-anxiety medications because they've been shown to improve menstrual symptoms, but it's actually a elevation of estrogen. The other thing they do is because they see the estrogen being so high, they try to balance it out by giving progesterone. Mm-hmm. And what I would say is if your symptoms are t- terrible, go ahead and get the progesterone, but then go down and work on the root causes of why you have an elevated estrogen. Does that make sense? Elevated estrogen, that's not normal. It is not normal in a menopausal, yes. In menopause, it's supposed to go down. Yes. Okay. But, but And they elevated. have to balance each other out, but then when you have an un- imbalance in how elevated the estrogen is, you have a lot of symptoms. So that's where the weight gain comes, the anxiety comes, fibrocystic breast disease, fibroids. I mean, you just have a whole bunch of issues that are um, associated with a higher estrogen and of course breast cancers cannot eliminate that we, we see that all the time now how does estrogen get high in menopause when the ovaries are failing just gonna ask yeah <laughs> so one of the things that happens is we have an excess of fat so the fat cells actually have this enzyme called aromatase which will act make more and more estrogen. Now, the next question you'll always ask, so how do you get fat cells? Or why do you get fat cells if it's not just the loss of hormones? You guys ready? It's always my most favorite hormone, insulin resistance. So women who've had insulin resistance for years, you know, where you've had this belly fat, you've had the high and low blood sugars, you think you have insulin resistance, Uh, You cannot wake up in the morning and go for a couple of hours without food. Like you got to eat every two hours, otherwise you'll have the shakes. Those are all signs of insulin resistance. So it starts very young. You may be 18, 19, and you walk around uh, eating candy and juice, never gain weight. That's the first early signs of insulin resistance. And then later on, you start gaining weight, and then you're constantly fighting to lose the weight. Um, And then... You go on to the starvation or high exercise mode. You disrupt your progesterone and estrogen throughout your reproductive years. And then you have the interruptions with pregnancy. Sometimes this pregnancy is stimulated by uh, in vitro fertilization and hormones. Sometimes it may happen after, um, you know, whether it be supplements or change in diet. So there's a lot of disruption to our hormones. But insulin resistance brings about this accumulation of the fat in the abdominal area, those fat cells will create aromatase, which will create a higher estrogen. 
content. So what happens is when you have those symptoms, the hot flashes, the loss of libido, the dryness, which can be low estrogen, and then the high estrogen is the high anxiety, the fibrocystic breast disease. Most of the times we try to give people progesterone, the symptoms get under control, but if every time you take down the hormone replacement therapy, your symptoms return. So when do you actually get, I've had people in their 80s who will not get off their hormone replacement or th therapy because they've never addressed their underlying insulin resistance or their metabolic problems and therefore they always have menopausal symptoms. Does it make sense? Even into their 80s or something. Into their, yeah, into their 80s. If they go off the hormone replacement and they do tell me that they look younger, they feel a lot better. You know, it's almost like um, sustaining life on life, um, you know, life support. You're almost, by the time you're in your 80s, I think we think it's normal to be on six to eight medications. And everything is sustaining different parts of the body or different functions of the body. And I just want, you know, we truly believe that's not true. And there are different ways of attaining health and not having all these symptoms. So women, there are the other group of women, I said, right? They don't even remember when they had their last periods. They don't have the hot flashes. They don't have any of the symptoms. They don't seem to need the antidepressants or hormone replacement. What is different about them? They probably, number one, have a good genetic um, protoplasm, like their protoplasm is good. They have the cytochrome um, enzyme, probably... Uh, metabolizes the estrogens appropriately through the liver. And the other one is they probably took care of themselves. They probably ate well, exercised, and were focused on their health right from their 30s. You'll find a lot of times women who actually pay attention to their health have very rarely the menopausal symptoms. So our goals should be, you know, how do we, first of all, identify when you have menopausal symptoms? Remember, if you are actually exercising and eating healthy, you got to ask yourself, when did you start doing that? Not when you turned 50, but if you did it when you turned 30, we have to really look at the reason. But most people begin to take care of their health into their 50s. Mm -hmm. Do you know the reason why? Absolutely. They stop taking care of other people and they're willing to focus on themselves. So when you start taking care of yourself, suddenly, you know, it's I always make fun of uh, the guys who join our program. They'll eat two kale salads maybe in two weeks and they want to see results immediately because suddenly they feel they're eating healthy. The same thing with women. You know, they start exercising, they go one week to the gym and they don't understand why their hot flashes haven't gone. Remember, you earned those hot flashes over 35 years of not taking care of yourself. So to actually have it go away, it's going to take you a few months of very focused effort to get to that point. And a lot has to change. And you really have, it's not your, remember I always talk about internal and external stressors. Our internal stressors are what we put in. External stressors as how we react to the world outside us. So both have to change. So the cortisol changes, our estrogen and progesterone changes, our liver functions change. Because what happens when you have a fatty liver? Your estrogen metabolism is again inhibited. Mm -hmm. Particularly if you are genetically, you have a mutation. Mutation means a change in the enzyme, the power of the enzyme, 
how well can it do the job? It can be at 150% or maybe at 30%. If the power of these enzymes that break down your hormones and get rid of the excess estrogen, if that's not working at its optimum, you're going to land up having a high estrogen state. The other thing also you have to remember is as they're getting broken down, if you remember the detox video that I created, as they get broken down, you get metabolites, that means intermediate product. So there's an initial product, there's a middle product, and there's a final product before it gets eliminated. That middle product is more dangerous than the original estrogen because how they are sliced and diced, it actually can be more uh, dangerous and can cause a higher incidence of breast cancer. So there's so much that goes into the function of menopause. The only way to overcome menopausal symptoms is, number one, you yes, you could take your hormone replacement initially. We really recommend bioidentical hormones, so they're not synthetic hormones. They do impact your health and wellness. And then address the root cause. Is your liver fatty? Is your gut inflamed? Do you have too many stressors? Do you have deficiency of certain nutrients, particularly zinc? the B complexes and vitamin D and vitamin C. And then look at what are your exposures? What are the toxins you are surrounded by? Are you obsessed with cleaning? Mm -hmm. Cleaning your counters, cleaning mm -hmm. everything. I, it, could there be something disrupting? Are you using a lot of plastic stuff? Uh, the BPA can be very disruptive. So we oh, yeah. need anything in plastic. <laughs> Even if it's microwaveable. And then I also want to address uh, there's something called the cadmium. Cadmium is another one that we, they've been really found to induce the growth of breast cancer cell lines, increase the estrogen, um, and the same things that increase estrogen reduce progesterone. The only other reason why progesterone would be low, therefore there's an you know there's an imbalance. The estrogen looks higher is when you overexercise, like you you know women. Do turn 50, kids are out of the house and like they want to lose weight. And they go into this exercise mode, sign up with a trainer, and that can be quite a challenge and that can also be very disruptive. So let's um, um, go through the processes, how you will address um, the menopausal symptoms. Number one, we're going to have to address insulin resistance. Insulin resistance is really about diet, whole foods, really avoid, avoiding refined sugars. And um, remember, discipline is freedom. Discipline is not restriction. Mm -hmm. We have we completely forget and we think uh, if I have to be disciplined, that means I'm losing my freedom. Actually, you have the freedom to live your life the way you want if you're disease-free. So discipline to understand what will help you and what will hurt you is extremely important. Reducing insulin resistance. Number two will be to make sure you handle your stressors. Do you get anxious? Are you seeing the negative in everything that you come across? I mean, are, are you constantly worrying about stuff? If you're worrying about stuff, really the big thing you have to do is write down what you're worrying about and what it makes you, how bad it makes you feel and make it so miserable that it's not worth living your life that way. And create another statement which tells you, instead of worrying, I could do this or I could do this or I could do this, give yourself choices. 
So this is something, uh, one of uh, the coaching um, programs I'm in, it was, I thought this was very phenomenal. You ask yourself this question. Uh, let's say you have, uh, oh, I, I'm fat, I can't lose weight. If you say that, that's a statement, right? What does the brain get? Oh, you're, yes, I'm fat, I can't lose weight. Good. We're done, right? The conversation yeah. is done. Whereas if you say, I'm fat, I can't lose weight, why is that I can't lose weight? Ask yourself a question. And then that question will give you another answer, which will be, is it true that you cannot lose weight? No, maybe I could. So what could you be doing to lose weight? I could potentially exercise. So why is that you're not exercising? I'm too lazy. Is it true you're lazy? No, it's just I don't have the time. It's true that you don't have the time. You keep asking yourself the question till you come to the answer. No, I can actually find some time to exercise. And everybody can. Because I know when people get diagnosed with cancer, they do find the time to go get radiation therapy and they do find the time to get chemotherapy. So you can find the time to exercise. You just have to ask yourself the right question and stop making statements to yourself. So insulin resistance you're going to address. Number two, you're going to check the vitamin levels. A, B, C, E, and D. Um, and minerals, zinc, selenium, uh, manganese. These are very important. Uh, and chromium. The other thing is looking at your liver, whether you have something called glutathione. It's very important in the detox process. If you have low glutathione levels, you probably are not going to break down the estrogen as well. Um, or a fatty liver. We've got to address that. Then the other thing that you will start looking at is what is the exposure to chemicals? Are there other things that you can do that are more natural? So we're going to have to look at your chemical exposure on a regular basis. Can you minimize those? Can you use more natural products? Ultimately, it really comes down to the same five pillars of health, right? You've got to look at your gut health, look at your nutrition, look at your fitness level, look at your hormones, and look at your stressors. And so all of this, for it to actually work well, you'd really need a team, whether it be you working with your yoga teacher, your fitness trainer, a nutritionist, or your functional medical doctor. Whomever you decide is going to guide you through this. You need to work in a 100% partnership and really get to the other side where you can minimize the symptoms so you can come off hormone supplementation. Try natural hormones, obviously, and um, make sure you take your supplements. And then as you come off, um, as you can slowly come off it, you'll find that you, your symptoms are not as bad. The only other thing I would say also, a low testosterone also works very much against us. The women tend to have higher estrogen and progesterone. The reason men are protected from autoimmune disorders and a lot of the uh, infections, and we tend to get on get all of this is somehow the testosterone protects them so we have to make sure our testosterone is not low but optimal for our age and um, closer to menopause you know the testosterone is a little higher too but if it's very low that needs to be addressed and i think the supplement for that i was looking up is uh, ginseng i can tell you exactly what ginseng um uh, Penax ginseng can have um, benefits for androgen um, insufficiency. 
So th there are a lot of these supplements. You want to work with someone who understands herbal medications, if that's what you want to choose, or a functional medical doctor who understands uh, supplementation. And then getting supplements, you've got to do the supplements for at least six months to a year as you work on your gut health and on your stressors and on your uh, nutrition status. And so that's the thing, too. If you're just doing the supplements, you have to still work on your stressors internally and externally, too, because supplements will only go a little bit, maybe. But, it, I mean, if you have a crappy gut, you can't really even absorb it anyways. So, okay. so we always have, you know, invest a little time on your health, guys. Otherwise, when you start doing supplements one a few times and then say, oh, give up, it didn't work for me, that's not how you do it. You, the body is a system, and you have to address it as a system. You have to understand. You have to, first of all, have a desire to feel better. Number two, you have to dedicate a little time for yourself on a regular basis. And number three, got to work with a mentor who can actually guide you through this process. Otherwise, of course, you can read a lot of this material, but how many, you know, with the internet age, I don't think anybody needs a doctor for that matter because there's so much of information out there. It's just so overwhelming and confusing. So work with someone who can break it down, take you step by step, and get you to where you need to be. I think that's really what is missing, and a lot of people feel overwhelmed. I see Pam is on. Do you have a question, Pam, or is this covering what um, you had asked about um, uh, menopausal um, symptoms? But like I said, it begins in your adolescent early 30s. Uh, for you to have a great menopause, you really need to make sure you take care of your health uh, even before your first baby is born. If not, at least soon after the babies mm -hmm. are born. But don't get to the point where you're like 50, 55, and then expect to feel like a 20-year-old just because you have decided you're going to take care of your health. It takes a little time. Um, so to answer the question, is menopause a pathological condition, or is this um, um, a physiological condition. It should be a physiological condition, but should not be so symptomatic that you're miserable. If you're miserable, it's because there's been a lot of imbalances and that they have developed over the years. And as you make those changes, make it consistent and long-term, and you'll find at the end of a year, you're not having these five-year-long menopausal symptoms. Uh, I hope that helps. Thanks, Pam. I'm glad it answered a lot of your questions. So, um, you know, when we want to wrap up this, we always talk about your uh, food as medicine tip. And what do we have today? I have a couple more points that I wanted to make. Oh, sure. Um, first of all, kind of going back to all of it starts when you're young. Yeah. So the main thing is don't ignore symptoms. I know, you know, maybe now you're 50 or 60. Those are all symptoms that are not normal. So get that addressed. And if you know anybody who's younger and they're starting to have you know, any kind of, I'm going to get endometriosis like way early now. Yeah. So, okay, so resistance, all that stuff. Like, that's a big deal. And I, I really got, it's got to do with a lot of the foods. And to answer your question about prebiotics, prebiotics are basically fiber. So you could have those things, walnuts, oatmeal, uh, corn, dark chocolate. I'm a little wary of corn because almost 96% of the corn is genetically modified. However, Eating just fruits and vegetables will give you enough prebiotics. I know there are companies that actually sell prebiotics. 
if you don't, if you're one of those that cannot to get in your vegetables, a few options are there. Um, I like Juice Plus. Not that I like Juice Plus because I do think they're ingredients sometimes. I think the capsules are fine because they're just dehydrated vegetables. Gives you the prebiotics if you cannot eat vegetables. But otherwise, I would say and I would encourage you to pick the two or three vegetables that you like. Make sure you include them with most of your meals. That's a cheaper way of getting prebiotics rather than buying a pre-prepared prebiotics. But those are always available for those days that you feel like, you know, I can't put in time to cook today. Um, you know, those things can happen. So, yes, prebiotics are important because that's affecting your gut. It changes the microbiome. And the microbiome is very important for your vitamin uh, production, vitamin absorption, and your immune system. And if your immune system is not intact, you're at a higher risk for autoimmunity and therefore a lot of disruption. So absolutely, that's a very good question. On top of taking just, you know, like any last big prebiotic mm -hmm. kind of fat, honestly, yeah. right now, um, if you're eating vegetables, you're also getting so many more nutrients that way. Plus, you know, obviously, I'll have the prebiotics just let your good bacteria eat. Um, but constipation is a huge issue. So you can't just take yeah. a prebiotic and get rid of constipation, but you can eat a bunch of vegetables and most people can alleviate constipation because if you're constipated, your intestines are reabsorbing all of that crap that your liver just worked so hard to get rid of. So even that estrogen, all those byproducts, it's going to have to go back through that whole process again. It will reabsorb your estrogen yeah. stuff that's trying to get out. So I, in fact, I think of all the um, issues, I, being constipated is probably the most um, uh, detrimental, detrimental uh, or toxic, yeah. if you use the word toxic. Um, it's probably the most toxic. So constipation should never be normal. Um, gastroenterologists will always say, um, you know, what can you, um, you know, there are different types of habits of bowel movements, and those are not true. Um, I hope, um, uh, Pam, you heard the prebiotics is really the fruits and vegetables are your prebiotics. There are soluble, uh, insoluble, resistant fibers, um, like you could do the root vegetables, sweet potato, rutabaga, and then you could do uh, celery, uh, the beans, garbanzo um, beans, kidney beans, black beans. If you don't have too much of bloating sensation from the beans, you could use those. The dry beans soaked and cooked are probably a better source than just the canned beans. Uh, because again, they're canned, even though there's no BPA, there's uh, BSA, there's some a different... There's thing. always some kind of crap in there. Yeah, to preserve it. And I think it does disrupt our hormones. Women in particular have 600 plus hormones and every one of them gets disrupted by just one domino card, right? It's just that one effect and everything. And once you get disrupted, getting the hormones to balance is a full-time job. Uh, to me, it's almost like looking at a newborn baby. I almost forget to check my phone. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but it is like uh, taking care of a newborn where you are, um, um, you're having to constantly focus on your health once you have a hormone disruption in an autoimmune state. So, uh, you know, keep, keep that in mind. Once you lose your health, focus on it. Till it's all it's as normal as you can get at your age. Okay, what else? Good. Um, I guess the other thing too is omega threes with the vitamin D. If you do have low vitamin D, it can be an imbalance of omega three and omega six. So you want your omega three to be higher, omega six to be lower, because your body actually can't utilize the vitamin D. 
Um, yeah, and also, like when you look at the traditional omega three omega six ratio, it was um, actually two is to one, and the omega six is always a little mm-hmm. higher because yeah. you want the inflammatory process to be there to protect you. But we are unfortunately at twenty one is to one now. Yeah. So we need to get it down at least to six is to one. Um, be very practical and try to bring the omega six to six is to one. But we got to get the omega-6 is down, and the only way we're able to do that is to bring up the omega-3. That's why we advocate omega-3 um, a lot, or omega-3 uh, rich products. So um, walnuts um, do come under that, and you can um, actually, and fish, of course, if you can get a good quality fish without um, much of the, the same uh, chemicals that disrupt our hormones is present in the fish too, um, because we dump so much into the ocean. And it's very difficult to get even deep sea fish that is not contaminated. Um, so yes, it's, it, 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 I think living a healthy life is getting very complicated. The only way to um, overcome and circumvent that and actually uh, get good health is to focus, make health a priority. Number two, empower yourself with knowledge. Number three, get the testing done so that you know where you are. Don't ignore symptoms. doesn't matter how simple the symptoms may seem. You've got to address them. Anything else that we haven't covered about menopause? I don't know. I'll tell you in 30 years. 40 years. <laughs> well. I don't know. <laughs> Hopefully, we've covered everything that people need to know. And before we wrap up, what do you want to talk about in terms of food? Well, we'll talk about onions today. Onions. Why would we talk about onions? Um, well, if you guys have than any of our other group coachings. You've probably heard a lot about onions, but onions and garlic are part of the Allison family. So they also are really great um, detoxifiers because they contain a lot of sulfur. So any vegetable, root vegetable, whatever you want to call it, it has sulfur is going to help your enzymes, your liver enzymes to detoxify. So that comes really important when you're talking about detoxifying estrogen and stuff like that. Um, the other one couple little tips with onions. When you're peeling your onion, you take out that outer layer, but don't go any further than that outer layer because that outer edible layer has so many of the anti-inflammatory products in it. Mm. About 75% gets taken off with that like little bit of fleshy stuff that you take off the top. 75% is out. And I always like, I overpeel my onion. I never realized I was doing that. So um, just peel that outer part that you can't eat and then leave the rest. the best thing to do is obviously to like chop up onions, eat them raw in a salad or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you are going to cook it, the next best thing to do is um, to actually cook it in a little bit of vegetable broth at a lower heat for like about like three minutes. So sauteing it that way um, helps to keep those enzymes and nutrients all intact. Um, Raw is always better. Yes, you yeah. always get better nutrients. I don't know why nature made it that way. Garlic onion, all of them eaten raw are the best. It's delicious. <laughs> they do, but we, st- we stink. Sky hot. We stink. Yeah. Um, what else? Uh, onions actually have huge polyphenol counts, so it's all very good anti-inflammatory, anti-cancer things. They're one of the highest for that. Did they actually inhibit the aromatase enzyme so that in the fat cells, so you don't produce so much of estrogen? And they oh, it's like you're telling me this. <laughs> oh, okay. It's like about so, aromatase and then Onions. Yeah, they actually inhibit the aromatase enzymes. So in the fat cells, then you know when I said they get converted, uh, the estrogen, uh, its production is increased. You can actually take raw onions and cut down your estrogen. So if you're in a hyper-estrogen state, 
that's something that you can do. Yeah, so effects are twofold, to decrease the estrogen that's being produced and to get rid of the estrogen that's already being made or mm -hmm. to break it down. Yeah, yeah pretty cool. Um, also helps to with cholesterol and fat handling in your liver. So it all goes back full circle. That's yes. why you don't address just one thing, but um, yeah, and it helps with omega-3 profile as well um, on an enzymatic level, actually, in your liver. Well, I wonder the one thing about the outer layer because I usually take that out. I'm, I'm thinking all the layers of the skin. And you know, and you're peeling up, so it's like slimy kind of, and yes. it just looks gross, but yeah. keep it in there. It's okay. where all the good stuff is, of course, that awesome. we don't want. <laughs> okay. So hopefully, once again, um, this was our fourth podcast. And keep writing to us. Let us know what you would like to learn. We're trying to simplify the process so you understand what you can do for yourself. So just to wrap up, Take care of insulin resistance, which means eating whole foods. Number two, if you start accumulating fat, intra-abdominal fat, we want to work on reducing that. Most people have just a little bit, but we're really talking about those real difficult, stubborn fat when you have all of the symptoms. Um, the, uh, making sure your nutrients are appropriate, making sure you're not exposed to too many chemicals, and checking your blood tests and actually knowing the levels and working with someone who can get you to where you need to be, where you feel optimized, your health feels optimized. That's really what we work towards. I guess we're out of it. There's a lot involved. Absolutely. You don't know what you're doing. So, so thank you once again for um, hearing us and hanging out with us. And um, once again, uh, we are from Holistic and Integrative Center of Nova. For those of you who are new to us, and that's the best place for you to find your best doctor, and that is always you. Thank you for joining us on the Holistic Icon Podcast. Subscribe for the podcast and leave us a review on iTunes or visit holisticicon.com to listen to past episodes. Want to take control of your health and live a life of wellness? Dr. Chellum's best-selling book, Transform Your Thyroid, teaches you how to overcome fatigue, depression, weight gain, and more, and is available on amazon.com.